Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Support Solutions. In each episode, we'll chat about what we're up to and bring you fantastic interviews with guest experts, as well as our app of the month and top tips, all aimed at helping you to grow your VA business. So grab a cuppa, sit back and join us for a fun-filled hour. Welcome to episode 22 of Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants. And Joe and I today will be in conversation a little bit later with the brilliant Susan Wright. And we're going to hear all about her fascinating story of how she went from um, a busy job working in the financial services industry to running her own business so that it could work around her changed life circumstances. But before we get into that, um, Joe, I just wanted to chat a bit about when you move from uh, an employed status to be running your own business, um, what sort of things did you have to take into consideration and think about when you were setting up? Um, well, I, I was in a sort of slightly different position in that I'd worked freelance for a very long time. And so a lot of things I had in place, like insurance and those kinds of things. But when I actually went into the VA um, business, my it was a case of my childcare had collapsed and I didn't put anything essentially in place. I made no plans, which in hindsight was a really scary thing to do. But I very quickly had to do it on the hop. Um, had I had my time again, then I would rethink things about um, the marketing and all of those elements and having a business plan. But um, it, it was a very different set of circumstances for me. But um, definitely, as I say, it, it's ICO registration, it's insurance, um, and it's just an idea of what you want to do. I literally opened the door and said, I'm going to do something um, <laughs> without any thought at all when I went into disguise. Yeah, I think that's interesting as well, because you've obviously made a success of it. Um, last couple of weeks ago, we were talking about what does success mean to you? Yeah. And, um, you know, you've, you've even without a plan and even without doing the research first and jumping straight in, you've still managed to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, so to speak, yeah. and get yourself organized. And I think there's a valuable lesson there is that whatever yeah. life throws at us, we do have the capacity to do that. It might not feel like it at the time. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine it must have felt incredibly scary and, hey, what am I doing? Where am I going? It, it, was, it was quite odd for somebody with my background, which was very detailed, very planned, very, you know, I worked in a project management role where I created plans um, that were down to the nth degree and, and across multiple departments and everything was quite structured so it was quite a leap to to just sort of take the plunge um you know it, it but it felt right and over a period of time as I, I found my feet then I sat down thought about it a little bit more and a plan and what do I want it to look like um and of course it evolves all the time so a plan is not something that you create today um, and, and you just work solidly to that. A plan is a moment in time, you know, and you should be regularly reviewing that. And over the course of 12, 18 months, then, you know, 
yeah. it, you, you change things, you evolve things, you update things, you move things forward. Yeah, I, uh, I used to teach Microsoft Project um, when I had my face-to-face -face company and I've actually got a book online about using Project 2013, so it's not that up-to-date, or 2016. But um, I remember attending something at Microsoft, actually, about, pro about Microsoft Project. And uh, basically, the guy who ran a big project management practice said a project is just a snapshot, it's a moment in time, and it's yeah. almost obsolete the minute you have signed on the dotted line and agreed yeah. that project because yeah. you've got no control over all the external things that happen uh, and yeah. you just have to react to those or plan your best way how you will deal with yeah. them. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. But it, it must have been scary for somebody who is a, a planning person to not have a plan must have been quite... Yeah. Or liberating. Was it liberating? Combination of both because all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, my day is free to do, not free, but it was, um, there was no structure all of a sudden. And what I found was that going from a, an environment where I was in a, a very structured, you, you flounder a little bit because you know, you're not having that 9am, the 10am, the, the, you know, this deadline, that deadline. So the way I managed and handled it was I set deadlines in my day or my week where um, I knew I had to have certain things done and, and, and that helped to then build some momentum and the structure that I needed at that point. Um, my business has now evolved and it's a lot more fluid um you know and no two days or weeks are the same and it's a lot more comfortable to be like that now yeah i can imagine i can imagine well that's fascinating insight into how you've coped and listeners if you want to let us know your stories do get in touch and let us know we'd love to interview you as i say every week and i think now it's time for us to get the interview queued up with susan wright because it really is fantastic and we'll see you in a minute Welcome listeners to Virtually Amazing, the podcast, episode 22. And this week's guest is the wonderful Susan Wright. And we're delighted to have you on the podcast, Susan. So thank you very much for agreeing to join us and share your story. Thank you, ladies. And thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So we wanted to have a chat with you about all things VA and why you became a VA, why you chose exactly what you do. So before we get into questions and answers, because I'm sure Jo's got lots of things she wants to ask as well, what, um, do you want to tell listeners a little bit about, about yourself as a VA, what you do, and, not, you know, and just about you generally? Yeah, good morning. So um, I've done 20-odd plus years in central London in corporate world, working primarily for private equity um, and primarily in the finance department. I've worked for CFO for, for many years. So I prefer numbers to letters, to be honest. Um, and it, in 2015, um, I got made redundant. It was one of the hardest conversations. I'd worked with my boss for about 15 years and he had to make me run redundant. Um, and we basically went into the room, did, did just legal stuff, and then had to go. And it was—I knew it was wasn't personal because it was just the, the, uh, the circumstance. So that was that was fine. Um, and having done sort of twenty years commuting to London, I thought, no, I can't do this anymore. So looked in around for a different local job um, and came across a franchise. And 
I was th- thought hummed and hard about it, um, got cold feet, and then decided to um, to go and get a job. And I worked with the NHS for a year, um, locally to me. So having done twenty years in the private sector, a year in the public sector was a little bit of a shock. <laughs> I yeah, to say the least. <laughs> um, so that, but it, it it's actually stood me in good stead going forward because it kind of just gave me a slightly different uh, perspective of how work is and the yeah how being PA in, in a different environment so that was that was actually really good but um yeah in 20 so I joined them in the 2015 and back end of 2016 um I went off long-term sick um and whilst I was on long-term sick they did a um a rejig of all the jobs and you had to reapply um and i asked my director at the time if she wanted me to reapply and she said i so 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 really would love you to reapply but it's just the wrong job for you um because she could see that i was always Mm. over did everything more than i needed to um you know the hours were eight till four and at four o'clock the place was deserted because everybody just walked out because that was their core hours and i was often there till five six at night because you have things to do um and that was just my my standing so um so yes, yeah, so I didn't reapply and then was off sick and sort of uh, needed to find a, an alternative. Brilliant. Okay, so um, really awful to be made redundant, I would have thought. It must have been hard from both of your perspectives, especially if you've worked for somebody for so long. It was, yeah. I mean, we he came to my wedding. He's, he's actually, funny enough, still a client of mine today, actually, um, which is awesome. Um, but because... We knew it was just the circumstances as opposed to anything personal. Yeah. Um, I think there was about 12 in the company and sort of seven were going. So it was right. kind of quite a big a big thing. So I didn't take a person in. He just had to do his job. I had to do mine. We just did the legal thing. There was no airs and graces. We just did what we had to do and, and got out. So, um, it, yeah, it was what it was. And it's, it's, it was fine, actually. Yeah. It was okay. a good shock. Yeah, I'm sure it must have been. So tell us a little bit about the kind of work that you do. And I'm going to ask you after that, or one of us will ask you a couple of other questions. But just to start off with, because our listeners are a wide range of VAs, and it would be great to hear a different kind of VA. So we've had all sorts. And it would be lovely to know what kind of services do you offer your clients? Um, So I guess I would probably call myself slightly old school. Um, I did a lot of document formatting in my um, in my corporate world. Um, I did an awful lot of mail mergers um, and in investments uh, and funds, you have a lot of investors that actually require um, individual letters, mm. statements of figures, and this, that, and the other. Um, and one particular time, I couldn't work out how this mail merge. You know, you have ninety investors, and each individual person. Uh, one particular had a statement of 120 entries on one A4 sheet in a table. So you have to kind of create a table in order and make it all look readable, legible, and as though it should be there. Um, and I couldn't quite bring in a, uh, um, a comma, um, a thousand figure to bring through from Excel. Um, and it took me about five days. And I could still remember this chap, Kim, Kim Dong, I think his name, Kim Toy. Um, trying to bring through and help and he couldn't do it and it was a I knew it had to be a tick box and it was a tick box in um, in sort of the options in Word Um, so that was a great breakthrough but awesome a lot of mail mergers Um, email and 
um, documentation management, um, just general formatting and assess and say old school PA <laughs> work, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's good to know. That's good to know. So, um, Joe, do you have any questions for Susan? Yeah. Do you, do you niche at all? Are you working with a particular area? I know you've got a background in um, A, corporate and B, financial management and that type of thing. Or, or are you open and working with everyone? Um, my ideal client would be a, an IFA, uh, independent financial advisor, purely because of the figure aspect of it. Um, and my attention to detail is quite high, mm. which needs to be with figures and finance. Mm. Um, but actually, I have a whole range of different clients on my books because at the end of the day, the admin work that you do for clients, it doesn't matter what sector they're in, it's actually generally the same. Yeah. Um, so whilst I kind of like to niche down to IFAs, I've only got one or two on my books, but effectively I've, I've got a, you know, a range from a tradesman to yeah. um, you know healthcare um because actually it's a diary management for any, any sector, anybody. Um, it's the same across the board. Mm. And do you, do you work alone or do you work as part of a team? Do you have no. associates? Yeah, no, I, I work alone um, up till now, though more I'm hearing about associates, the more I'm thinking I really should delve into that a little bit more and, and get some associates or at least somebody that should, I, I do go off sick, um, that somebody's there to pick up the pieces. So that is an avenue that I'm, I'm sort of looking into and slightly procrastinating a little bit about, but it's um, <laughs> that great word. Um, but yeah, it is something I'm, I'm thinking about and it's sort of, yeah, that little devil sitting on my shoulder. Yeah. Associates, yeah. associates. Yeah. So. I, I, think that's, um, that, I think that's normal because if you're looking at it from the point of view of somebody that can run your business, if you can't be there, then there's a different level of just do this piece of work, isn't it? It's yeah. one thing to say, oh, Joe, can you do this formatting for me? This client needs it tomorrow and I can't do it. That's one thing. But to give somebody else access to your full business in case you're not available, that's a whole other thing, isn't it? So I get why you're procrastinating on that. <laughs> yeah. and that's quite normal. But yeah. you, you talked about going off sick there, which I think leads nicely in to, to, to one of the things that I'm fascinated with and, and would love to talk about. And mm. that's, um, I know that you, you've had long, you, you mentioned long-term sick, and that being one of the reasons that you chose to become a VA or to try it. So do you want to, to tell people about that a little bit, if that's okay? Absolutely, yeah. So um, in 2008, I had nine months off work um, in the corporate world. Um, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue, ME. Um, and so I had nine months off sick, then took nine months to build back up full time. Um, fortunately, I then got back into playing sport, but it was a time when I was at the NHS um, that actually I had another quite a severe relapse. Um, and once I got made redundant, I was unsure as to whether I could actually hold down a full-time job because mm. I was still coming out the throes of being ill. Um, and with chronic fatigue, it's one of these things that actually you're fine one day, you can wake up the following day and actually think, oh, I'm, I can't get out of bed. You know, some days I can't get out of bed till three o'clock, not even go to the loo or make a cup of tea. Yeah. Um, so when you go and get a full-time job, and when I started at NHS, I was on five days a week, but since 2005, I've always been on four days a week. So I kind of, you have to put yourself 
all in to, when you start a new job and give it everything you have. So with that uncertainty um, and not wanting to let a new employee down, um, I had a couple of clients and a couple of contacts that needed a little bit of admin work. So I then set up my business in September 2017 um, and, uh, and thought, this is great. Had a couple of clients, did a little bit of work. and thought, this is, this is awesome, you know. Um, and it, it gave me a lot of sense that I thought, well, actually, if, I, if it works, great, I've got a new career and I've got a new vocation. Um, if it doesn't, well, actually, I can then go and find a, an employed role, but I then will know the level of work um, and strength and health I was would be able to go and a job and have some kind of certainty whether I was able to get up on a daily basis um, and go and go to work so yeah uh, and going forward there are days over the last sort of couple of years where I've not been able to get out of bed but in, in my in my head I know that come mid-afternoon I could do some work and then go back to bed you know some days I don't, I don't get dressed, I don't brush my hair, but I've got the client's work that I can do because you don't see anybody, you don't meet anybody um, on those particular days. And nobody would know, actually, I'm really struggling. Um, and then I go back to bed for a couple of hours. Um, but on the flip side, when I'm having a if I'm having a bad health spell, I might be awake at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's such an unknown um, health condition but it actually it's really improved my health because in the morning sometimes you wake up and you kind of think oh a couple of hours extra sleep I can then get to work but actually if you're an employed role you need to make that decision around 6 six thirty whether you're getting up and going to work and calling in sick yeah yeah um, so by about 10 o'clock you know if you'd phone in sick you then got a whole day at home thinking oh, actually I could have gone to work but actually by then it's too late you've had a couple of hours sleep but being my own boss I can sleep for a couple of hours if I need to and then go to work and then work till six seven in the evening or whatever it may be so it gives so, you a lot more flexibility hmm. absolutely absolutely um and it's uh yeah some days I can work 10 12 hour days to get everything on top of everything um and then rest and relax if if I need to and you can so plan your work around it sorry Joe. No, it's all right. I was going to say. So a lot of the clients that you work with are not are not necessarily time bound. They might be um, deadlines. So you deliver deliver to a deadline rather than a fixed. I'm doing two hours for him on a Monday at nine till eleven. You, uh, yes. Yeah, I, I, that's that's right. And it's um, I have a, a transcription um, chap on my book on my books. So when he brings in his project, when he has a project for work, then comes my way. Um, and I know that they're going to be a busy two weeks. And if I'm struggling, I know that there's an end date. So then I know yeah. my, if I can just get to Friday week, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and if I need to work at weekends to catch up, because I've had, let's say, Thursday or Friday in bed or out of action, then I'm able to do that because he gives me the deadline. So I have yet to come across a client um, because I'm completely upfront with all, all my clients. I tell them all. Um, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I'll get back to you later today. I will do it by your deadline, but it might not be a little bit earlier when I, you know, when perhaps I say, but you will have it when you need to have it. Yeah. 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 That's, 
Amazing. So what, um, before we came on, you, you talked about you've been upskilling yourself a bit. And I'm always excited when people <laughs> invest in their learning and development, as you would expect. So what have you been, what have you been upskilling in, Susan? Um, so being old school, um, all these new apps are all about, everybody just talks about all these various apps and things. I thought I really need to get you know, back into the 21st century. Um, but I've been upskilling uh, in MailChimp, actually. Mm -hmm. um, email marketing. Um, and I run a, a network group in Bromley um, and I send emails out to just shy of 200 contacts wow. so I thought it was a great app and skill to use to move all across to a MailChimp as opposed to standard email yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and because we were changing it slightly due to the lockdown um, coming out of lockdown and we were moving it to back to fortnightly it was a good opportunity for me to um, kind of upskill and, and take it forward on that so um, but as a result I've gained a client possibly another one coming on board at the end of this week and uh, and you know noises of a third as well so from having learned this skill I possibly could have three new clients as a result that's brilliant absolutely brilliant brilliant absolutely yeah. you do MailChimp don't you Joe? <laughs> yeah um email marketing is one of my specialisms so oh, okay I, I, I use um, MailChimp, MailerLite, and, and anything up to sort of Active Campaign and Infusionsoft. Um, it, it's something I had never done any email marketing before I became a, a, a VA. Um, and I've just learnt like you. And then I learnt one tool and then another tool and then another tool. Um, and now I'm helping people with not just sending a newsletter, but building their entire strategy to support their business and that growth and, and maximizing the functionality so i'm like you in that you know i needed to learn new things to expand my services and also to expand your mind you know it, in a corporate world i suppose we got a lot of a, a training budget didn't we yeah absolutely absolutely and a lot of packages you know, in, in the day um you learn by playing on the systems it's very hard to learn a software package um, I mean, my, my knowledge of Word and PowerPoint, I would say, are quite high. Um, but in one of my particular corporate roles, I was doing eight PowerPoints per day. Um, and because I was doing so many, my because he, my boss then needed um, a PowerPoint presentation for our investors that were coming in and our clients that were coming in, um, I used to get really bored of doing the same one. So I used to put a lot of an animations in them. And uh, he used to come back off the meeting and go, I was expecting this to fly in here and fly in there. And I, yeah, so that's kind of how I learned a lot of packages by just playing on the systems. Yeah. And, um, and likewise with MailChimp, it's, um, I, I have to say, I'm absolutely loving MailChimp. Yeah. Which, which do you prefer, Joe? Which out of the uh, email marketing, what's your preference? Hmm. That's a difficult <laughs> question, really, because... I use different tools for different things. Before I look at somebody's tool, I look at what they need to achieve. So for instance, um, if somebody has an e-commerce package and they want to do um, more advanced automations and scheduling, I might look at one of the more complex packages. MailChimp can do it, but I find it sometimes a bit complex. Um, with a lot of introductory clients who just literally want to send out a monthly newsletter, I use MailerLite. It's accessible, okay. it's easy, and you get a full range of automation on that that you don't on MailChimp on the free account. Right. Um, 
I, I, I just love, for me, configuration and dabbling in, in tech is, is kind of <laughs> one of my things, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's difficult to say which is my favourite one, but I will make an admission. I, I do a lot of newsletter work with a lot of people and I don't have my own list because I've never, ever got round to doing anything about creating my own mailing list. I don't have a mailing list either. <laughs> I was going to ask you that, Susan. That was my next question. So how do you, if, if neither of you have a mailing list and you're not writing and keeping in touch with your clients and prospective clients on a regular basis, how do you get your clients? Susan? Oh, yes. For me, um, I do a lot of networking, face-to-face -face networking. Um, I'm a member, say I run my own, um, I run it, my, ad, my network group with a couple of yeah. other guys. We set up an independent last September um, and we, I sort of send emails out to 100 later. So my, my name and my company is on all of those correspondence yeah. um, and I, I kind of liaise. So if, if anybody comes in, I respond and my my logo, my website, and my phone number is always at the bottom. Very any correspondence, along with the the network logo and um, details. Um, but I engage with a lot of people that way, um, and it's what word of mouth. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I said earlier, my I'm so much better with numbers than I am with letters. My content that's something I need to upskill is my content writing. So if I was to do a newsletter. I, I re would really struggle what to write and how to write it. That's just not my forte. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, for me, it's no point doing a newsletter because it would take me a week to write it. <laughs> Outsource. <laughs> yeah, I think, it's, I, think it, I think it depends on, on also what yeah. you've got to tell people as well. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously, I have a newsletter and a blog and um, I keep in touch with all the people that by you know subscribe to my newsletter they download something like um mostly my outlook cheat sheet that's the biggest thing that people download it's really interesting a uh, few people have downloaded the tech guide what's the best tech for a va but most people go via the outlook cheat sheet which is fascinating i need to do some more of those um different ones and uh so that's what people sign up for and then they go on to my newsletter and they get a weekly Sometimes it's how-to tip, sometimes it's more news. At the moment, it's all more newsy type things. So, uh, so that's what goes out. And then I usually uh, mention when I have a new course coming out. So that goes <laughs> in the newsletter. Uh, because, you know, they are people who may one day take one of my courses. So, um, so yeah, I think it really depends on, on what you're trying to achieve as well. Uh, and I don't do any face-to-face -face networking as such which is a shame, but it's just how it is. So um, I used to do a lot. So yeah, uh, yeah I, think that's the, I think that's actually the best way. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm more of a people person than behind the screen. Yeah. yeah. So where do you get your clients from, Jo? Um, I do, I, I belong to the Athena network. Oh, okay, um, yeah. So I do a lot of face-to-face -face networking. I also run a very small, nothing as formal as Athena, but, and it's a mixed um, networking group with, with a colleague who's a marketing consultant. Um, I do do some speaking as well. So I, I speak a lot at Athena. I speak at other organizations. 
Um, I also do some networking via the Chamber of Commerce locally. Um, and again, for me, it, it's that in-person mm. stuff. But, you know, I've just, I've known about newsletters for a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm a VACT student. Um, I, I, Amanda was always talking about newsletters and all those kinds of things and quality. I just never ever got round to it. <laughs> I think you could talk about the kind of services you offer. You could give people tips about email marketing. Did you know you could do XYZ with MailChimp or MailerLite or ActiveCampaign or whatever? Yeah. Um, you could talk, you could, you could do a, a kind of tip of the week, something, something that they could do to make your life easier so they yeah. get better service. Yeah. I mean, those sort of things are the things that that spring to the top of mind. I've been doing a lot of work on, on marketing <laughs> lately. You can probably tell. I'm doing a lot of learning around marketing lately. Um, but and also, it's much easier to think of things for other people to do than yourself, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I was I was on a, um, a VA uh, network call oh, a few weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about social media. And uh, my social media is. Let's say it needs improvement. Um, and, um, <laughs> and they were like, oh, I don't know what to post. And all of a sudden, in about five seconds, I had 10 things and things that they could post. And they, and all, yeah. but then I sort of got back and thought, oh, what should I post it for me? And I was like, man, complete brain blank. Yeah. Uh, it's much easier for some you to think of something else. Yeah. So you and I are like peas in a pod <laughs> because yesterday afternoon, um, after our last sort of podcast recording, um, I had a conversation with um, a friend of mine and she was saying, well, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, your business does this, this and this. I said, what about that? And then 20 minutes later, uh, you know, I've given her enough to go away and think about an entire marketing strategy. Um <laughs> And then I sit there with a blank piece of paper or, or the planner. You know those planners? You spend yeah, a lot of money on those planners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the page looks at you and you just go, now what do I do? Yeah, turn the page. <laughs> it's just move on. I've given up <laughs> buying planners because they just sit on the shelf and they look pretty. So I yes. don't buy them anymore. No. Just use a scrappy notebook if I need to do that. Yeah. Or OneNote. I love OneNote. So I use OneNote for, for my planning and stuff. I've oh. gone back to Excel. I have to say, I've gone back to Excel. There's all these lovely pages in these planners. They're beautiful, aren't they? And with all the numbers, I think you've got to be a certain type of person to use uh, yeah. them because I think there are some people out there um, who will just love them and will spend a lot of time on them. And I just think that's another job. Whereas I can get a spreadsheet up and knock up a few things it all does the calculation for me when I'm doing the figures. And then in the next page, I can just type in and the date and the calendar and it's, you know, link it into my outlook and it all makes life very easy. But then, you know, that's the geeky element of me looking for something that's a bit more tech than flowery. <laughs> I have to say, I'm, I'm still a pen and, pen and paper or pencil. I use, a, this is a 21st present. And once I, ha I lost it filing somewhere, and I couldn't do any work for an hour until I found it and it was in a cupboard. I'm like, oh, thankfully. I still use a pencil. And actually my journal is quite good because it gives me a glance to look at. I sort of do things and I write in the, what I'm doing each week. And I'm thinking, oh, actually, I've, uh, you know, um, a Zoom call with some of the potential client on Friday at 8. So you know, I can see automatically what I'm doing for the week rather than going into calendar because it's easy to quickly make notes in a diary. So I do I do have a plan of all the really nice pages where you fill in all the bits and pieces. They're just all blank. 
Now, I think if I used one, it would be more of a diary, like a page per day diary rather than a, a planner as such. Yeah. I, 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 I bought one of the planners. I can't remember which system it was where you really list everything and, you know, you leave no blank space, you know, like you put your tea break and your walk and your lunch and you're you know, going to the loo even, you know, you schedule it all in. And you're right, Joe. it was just another job to do. And I just, I did it for about three days, I think. And then that was it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. No. I, I have, um, I have an A5, you, you know, the, um, just the, the, the black sort of lets. And I, um, well, when we're in the real world, when you go places and I have it aligned down the middle of the page and I can mark up appointments and then the other half of that page is like notes or to do's or something like that. And I can tick them off. So if I'm out and I have a coffee with a friend or something, I can just tick off that I've, you know, on the way I've been to the post office or whatever that thing is. Um, and I find that really, really helpful um, because you don't always want to be in your phone, you know. No. Um, so, Susan, what's your favourite aspect of being a VA? What do you like the best? What jobs do you like the best? Um, I like uh, document formatting. So um, a couple of years ago, um, I basically was given a 300 page plus document that they had rewritten their course and they said oh it needs formatting and I was doing a happy dance I was absolutely <laughs> copy wow. um, uh, in word and it all just needed to be um, yeah all the headings and because of my attention to detail slight OCD possibly everything <laughs> had to be almost involved to the millimeter exactly right and if something was 10.5 it had to be 11 or you know um, and that was sort of a 300 page document when you're in sort of section four you suddenly realize oh actually that's works better in four than it does in one then you have to go back and redo it all so something like that would, is great but what i also like being a va is the flexibility you know we've got lovely day at the moment um and likewise you know pre-lockdown i can go and put the watching on you can get things done on a daily basis so it's not all built up to the evenings or the weekends and yeah. Um, you know, I generally play quite a lot of sports and things at the weekend, so it's nice to have that flexibility of doing things and popping to the post office during the day, yeah, as yeah. opposed to um, you know having to work it around the corporate day. Um, and the fact, the biggest, biggest bonus for me is just there's no commute. Yeah. What yeah. sort of sport do you play, Susan? Um, I played netball, I played corfball, um, which is a Dutch sport that's mixed. So. Um, four men, four women on a pitch, and it's a throwy, catchy type game. Um, yeah, no, I heard of that one. Yes, no. Dutch game, uh, KORS, which is the Dutch word for basket. Oh, okay, Corfball, yeah, Corfball. Uh, well, we'll have to look that one up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's been really fascinating, and it's been great to get to know you better. I know we sat, we had a lovely yeah. chat at the PA show back in February. We did. Um, yes. Was back in the UK, and that was lovely. And uh, I'm hoping I'll be back there next February for the next PA show. But who knows what travel is going to look like between now and then? Um, <laughs> I'm hoping so. I'd like to get to England before next February, actually. So we'll see. Yes, fingers <laughs> crossed, things will open up and we can start travelling sort of around or September time would be good. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. We, we've got grandchildren due all over the world. One in England in August, one in America in October. So 
fingers crossed. <laughs> so we'll hope to be able to travel. But anyway, I think that's been fascinating. And I think listeners, you'll agree that Susan's story is, is, uh, is incredible. And it, and it just goes to show that you can find positives um, and you can turn a situation to your benefit, even if you think when you're in it at the beginning, you think you must have had moments where you're thinking, what's going on? I'm never going to get out of this. Um, but you can with a positive outlook. And, 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 and I think that's brilliant. Um, turn, turn things to your advantage. And I think, I think you're doing great, Susan. I mean, thank you. You know, and I do see you online quite a bit and you're fine. <laughs> <You're fine. laughs> so I'm going to say thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a fascinating day and um and it will go out this episode on the 5th of october which i believe is your birthday indeed it is yes <laughs> so there we go we'll get everybody listening on your birthday okay <laughs> thank, thank you, you ever so much all right very enjoyable thank you thanks great interview there with susan wright and i was fascinated joe at how susan has coped and really inspirational that she's coped with such a difficult health situation and still managed to be so positive and pick herself up and find a way of working that works for her. I thought that was truly amazing. Yeah, and, and she's coped so well with the challenge of, you know, starting a business um, and balancing a business with the other circumstances. And we've talked about this at, at a lot haven't we with, with different VAs and different circumstances often though it's been in relation to um, <clears throat> caring responsibilities but it's interesting to see that somebody is thinking about their own needs when they are talking about it you know developing that balance within their life and their business yeah. I think she's done incredibly well she's very successful as well yeah, and I think also, uh, I know Susan also runs a, a little networking network because I yeah. see post about it regularly. And also the fact that she has clients who understand her circumstances as well. At the end of the day, we're all human. And uh, if, you, if you set out to find the right clients, then it won't matter what happens. Within it, obviously, if your communication yeah. and your communicating effectively then it, it everybody is human and we all understand that these things happen so i i found that a really inspirational interview and um, what i was fascinated about was when i asked sue what her favorite thing was to do and she said she loved formatting documents and that leads neat, neatly into me getting on one of my hobby horses can you yeah. guess what that is uh let me think about this. Oh, uh, it wouldn't be um, using styles and standardizing your templates, would it? It would. You've obviously been listening to me for far too long, if you know my hobby horse. But no, see, on a serious note, I can't go on more. I can't emphasize the importance of styles when you're working in Microsoft Word, whether that is on your uh Windows computer, whether that's on your Mac computer. And if you use any of the other word processing packages, they will all have some form of styling. When you work on your website and you're creating your blog posts, you will have heading styles. 
and they help to break up the structure of a document. So your heading ones are your top level headings, your heading twos are the subheadings and, and all the way down. And in Word, the heading styles are there to signpost where you are, but also from a branding point of view, you can modify them and match your brand or your client's brand. So as a VA working for many different clients and creating documents for different clients, you need to have style sets to match each of those clients or themes, if you like. So those things are all really important. And um, not only aesthetically and structurally, but also for accessibility. So if you're creating documents, especially for the web, um, you need to make sure images have got alternative text in them so that anybody who's reading your document using a screen reader, because they are visually impaired, or it could be cognitively impaired as well. Sometimes cognitively impaired will use a screen reader too. So somebody using a screen reader, by adding alt text to your images, to your tables, to your charts, you can add it to any object in your document. Then the screen reader reads the description of what that image chart table is. And the person reading that document can choose to skip it um, because they don't need to know about it because they can't see it anyway. And heading styles are there to signpost to screen readers you know, what the important parts are, etc. So it's really important. And of course, I have got a course on how to use styles on Word. Uh, and it's called, it's, no, it's called um, Work Smarter with Style. And there's a version for Windows and a version for Mac. So if you are interested in learning what styles can do for you, do hop over and take a look at those courses because styles also enable you to do other things like create a table of contents in the flash of an eye. It's magic. I mean, it looks like magic to me every time I do it. Which is I have to say that having done the styles course, it was one of the first courses I looked at and, and took. Um, it's made such a difference to the way I produce a document. And I've produced documents a lot over the years, as I'm sure a lot of us have, um, but it did make a significant difference and it speeded up some of the work that I do for myself and for, you know, and have done for clients. Yeah. So highly yeah. recommended. Thank you. But it's, it's kind of important because when you have a style, let's say that you've created, you, you want all your headings to look a certain way. So if you don't use styles, you'll type your heading and then you'll go to the, you'll select the text, you'll go to the formatting toolbar, you'll change the formatting, the size, the color, the font, the whatever alignment, any of those things. And then you want all the other headings in your document to look the same. So then you have to go to all those other headings and apply all of those style elements to those headings or use Format Painter to copy and paste the style you've selected. Whereas when you use styles themselves, you can update just the style and anything in the document based on that style will update too. And it can go as far as creating a style for double spaced paragraphs, for example. If you work for lawyers, they might want their drafts double spaced. So you can create a style for double spacing so that you don't have to then apply it. You just 
apply, you, you just click it and off you go. So it's, it's one of my hobby horses uh, and one of the things that I particularly love. And I have my styles branded for tomorrow's VA. All my headings are in the turquoise of my brand. I have underlining in my blue. Some of my headings are orange. So I bring all those elements into my documents and, and I think it gives a coherent look. Uh, if you get something from me, you know it's from me. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's really important. Well, I think I've blabbered on enough about styles. So let's close today's episode, which was another cracking episode. And we look forward to talking to you next week where we have another smashing guest for you. And for now, if you want to get in touch with us, it's Shelley at tomorrowsva.com or Joe at jlbsolutions.co.uk. At Virtually Amazing is the Facebook page and tomorrowsva.com is the website where you will find on the menu podcast episodes to find all the previous episodes. Because if you're a new listener, you might want to go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes and we look forward to speaking to you and next week. And as ever, if you'd like to be a guest, do get in touch. Speak soon. You've been listening to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with Shelley Fischel and Joe Brianti. We look forward to seeing you or hearing you or you hearing us in the next episode, which is coming very soon.